The following is a message by Dr. James Renahan from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. O oh Lord, we thank you for the promises that you give to us in your word and your faithfulness to us each day. Would you bless us now as we study your holy word, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, 20th chapter of the book of Acts. I will read verses 17 through the end of the chapter. Acts 20, beginning in verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. When they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. And may God's blessing be on this reading from his holy word. I'm especially interested today in the phrase at the end of verse 27, where we read, Paul says, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. What is the whole counsel of God? Well, there might be various ideas that people have in their minds. It might be that some think 
that this has reference to everything that God has revealed? Did Paul perhaps work verse by verse through the entire Old Testament while he was with him, with them? Now we know that he was there for two or three years. In fact, back in chapter 19, something interesting, we're told uh, that he took the disciples, uh, this is verses 9 and 10, he took the disciples reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years. There's actually a variant reading that suggests that he, uh, he reasoned with them daily in the house of Tyrannus for five hours a day, from the fifth hour to the tenth hour for ten years. Just doing the math in my head, that's, that's more lecturing than you get in an MDiv program here. That would be a pretty decent uh, master's program, wouldn't it? listen to the Apostle Paul for all those hours. Well, we don't know if that's exactly what happened, but it could be. Another suggestion is that when Paul says this, he means that he spoke to them the neglected truths of God. That is, there were some things that other teachers might have ignored, but Paul knew that they needed them, and it was sort of like him saying, I don't just teach the comfortable and convenient truths. I tell you what you need to hear. Somebody else might suggest that this tells us that Paul spoke to the Ephesian elders and he said, I tell you everything that God wants you to do. I've given you instruction in every aspect of life, your family and your employment and your citizenship, eating and drinking, all of these things. I've given you a recipe for the duties of life. You see, there are many possibilities that one might bring to the text. But we need to ask the question, just what did Paul intend here? And Luke gives us some very helpful information that we might know what Paul means. This passage, as you, have, if you, as you know, is Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders. And it comes in the midst of a section of the book of Acts in which Luke has a lot to say about Ephesus. Paul had spent nearly three years there. He visited them twice. He knew these men very well. But he also knew that he would not see them again. So he calls them down to Miletus, to the seaport town, in order that he might say farewell to his friends. The speech takes on much of a last words kind of a feeling, because that's what it is. Paul is saying goodbye to these men that he has spent so much time with and that he has known so well. And in this speech, Paul speaks about the past and the present and the future. The past describes his ministry, what he has done. The future describes to the Ephesian elders what is ahead. Our statement is in his words about the past. He wants them to think back about his relationship to them and what he has done. In reality, this is a summary of his apostolic ministry. It's a summary of what he had accomplished during nearly three years of labor with them. And largely, he wants to remind them of what he did and then to call them to follow his example. Notice verse 28. Pay careful attention. Having said these things, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Then verse 31, therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. 
And then verse 35. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak, etc. Paul here is saying that his apostolic ministry was to be a pattern for their work as elders in the church. And that makes this passage very important for us because it tells us how we may have truly apostolic ministries in our churches. Now, please hear me carefully. I don't mean that elders are ever apostles. I don't mean that. But rather that the pastoral ministry of apostles must also be the pastoral ministry of elders. That's what Paul is saying here. What I did is an example to you of what you must do. Now there's another thing that's really interesting about this text. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous saying this with Dr. Baugh sitting over there, but I'll venture down this road anyways. Twice, in verse 20 and in verse 27, Paul employs the word, a form of the word, hupostello. I did not shrink back. Now as I think about that, I wonder if Paul might not be using a play on words because hupostello is only one letter different from the verb apostello. I did not shrink back, but rather I was sent out. He didn't keep himself back from doing the work of an apostle. In fact, he did it. Twice he emphasizes the fact that his life was not characterized by falling back. And I think he implies the opposite. That is, that he completely fulfilled his apostleship. And I wonder if there isn't an analogy in English, though it wouldn't be exact, and I'm not arguing that we should follow this out all the way, but I wonder if there isn't a comparison between the English word apostle and the English word imposter. Paul was not an imposter. An imposter would shrink back. An imposter, when faced with difficult circumstances, would not fulfill them. But Paul, whatever the circumstances might be, was willing to do the work that the Lord called him to do, that which an apostle must and will do, and really, by extension, what we all must do. Now, having said that, what does he mean by the phrase, the whole counsel of God? Or to put this another way, what is, according to this text, apostolic preaching? Well, in the context, Paul uses several interesting words. He uses the language of preaching or testifying or declaring or announcing. And all of these things have reference to the act of declaring to them the whole counsel of God. Now the key word here is counsel, boule. The lexicons tell us that it means plans, to make and to accomplish plans. If it were to be used in everyday speech, it might be used like this. Maybe you want to build a house. And so you set that out as a goal, and you do all of the things that are necessary to accomplish the goal. You save your money, or you obtain funds. You purchase the property. You develop the blueprints. You hire the contractors. You watch as the building is constructed. You inspect the work, you receive the permits to occupy, and then you move into your house. And this process could be described by the word counsel. This is your counsel to build and to live 
in the house. That's something of what the word means in everyday speech. Luke, out of all of the writers of the New Testament, seems especially to have liked this word because out of 12 times that it occurs, nine times you'll find it in Luke. And he uses it several times in the book of Acts to refer specifically to the work of God. For example, when Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, he speaks about the determinate purpose of God, the boule of God. And this has to do with the person and work of Christ. God brings to pass salvation through sending his son according to his plan. In Acts chapter 4, verse 28, when the church is at prayer, they cry out to the Lord about his purpose, about his sovereignty in bringing the death of Christ before men so that they might believe. In Acts chapter 5, verses 38 and 39, Luke uses the word to describe Gamaliel, or he puts it in the mouth of Gamaliel, who contrasts man's plan with God's plan. You remember, if this is of men, it will fail, but if it's of God, there's nothing that you can do to hinder it. There, Gamaliel acknowledges that God's plan cannot fail. In 1336, when Paul is preaching in the synagogue of the city in Antioch, he uses the word in the phrase, the will of God, speaking about David. David served God in his own generation. He died and he was buried. And yet Paul says this immediately after he quotes two times from the writings of David because David acted as a prophet in testifying to the work of Christ. In the cases in Acts where boule is used to speak of God's deeds, it has a very specific referent. And interestingly, in the book of Ephesians, take note, Ephesians, when Paul uses this word in Ephesians 1.11 to speak about the counsel of his will, probably written within three to five years of his farewell, he speaks about God's counsel in the accomplishment of salvation in Jesus Christ. You see, when counsel is used of God, it refers to God's acts, but not in general. It refers to God's acts in very specific reference to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now this perfectly fits what Paul says in Acts 20, 27. Notice it again. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Really, Paul's apostleship is defined clearly for us. It was to know Christ and to make him known. And on this moment of farewell, down at the seaside, in Miletus, as he stands before the Ephesian elders and he calls them to remember his teaching ministry among them, a ministry that lasted for years, and when he urges them to do the same, they must have understood this point. Paul spent these years with them explaining the purposes of God in Jesus Christ. When he tells them that he did not uh, shrink back from declaring the whole counsel of God, he did not say that he talked about everything that God has revealed. He doesn't mean that he preached through the entire Old Testament. He doesn't mean that he explained to them the neglected truths of God. He doesn't mean that he told them everything that God wants them to do. Now these are not in and of themselves bad things. And they have a place in the Christian ministry. 
But that's not Paul's focus here. Rather, it is on Jesus Christ in his person and work as the one who fulfills and accomplishes the purpose of God. When Paul says, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God, put it positively. He says, I came to you and I preached Jesus Christ. I preached that you might know him. This characterized my life and my ministry. Christ is the yea and amen. He is the final revelation. He is the alpha and the omega. And ultimately, it is all about him. You know, if you read carefully through the passage, you notice that this fits exactly what Paul says because he uses a variety of phrases that effectively say the same thing. Back in chapter 19, verses 8 through 10, um, as Paul is preaching, we have a summary of his ministry in Ephesus. We read this. He entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, the word about the Lord, both Jews and Greek. This summary tells us that he spent three months talking about the kingdom of God, about the reign, the ruler, the purpose, the power, the goal, which is Christ. That then he went over to this other place, this hall of Tyrannus, and there spoke to them the word of the Lord, the word about the Lord, the word about Christ. When he says goodbye to the Ephesian elders in several places here, he describes in different terms what he did. Notice, for example, verses 18 through 21. You know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the jewels. Jews, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. This assumes everything about the person and work of Christ. You must repent, you must believe because God has sent him. In verse 24, he speaks about the fact that he testified to the gospel of the grace of God. What is that if not preaching about Christ? And then again in verse 25, Luke tells us that Paul said that he preached to them the kingdom of God. Dear friends, this is what must characterize our churches. If we would have apostolic ministries, this is what we must do. Never shrink back from declaring the whole counsel of God. Or to put it in another way, always preach the great gospel of the grace of God as it's found in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we humbly ask that you would make us instruments of the proclamation of Jesus Christ and make our churches places that are known above all other things for the proclamation of the gospel of God revealed to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. We ask in his name.
Copyright 2012, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.